11 months ago, I began a battle with anxiety. Uh, I had just come off of February break from school and started the work week. And for whatever reason, I'm not really sure why, I haven't figured it out, um, I just started to slide into this kind of state of anxiety. Uh, I had this weight on my chest that was there for a pretty long period of time. Uh, I had a really hard time relaxing, settling down at night. Um, There was a couple points in time where I was close to having like an anxiety attack. Um, And it was just kind of a rough period. Um, Now, I said I began a battle with anxiety because it was, uh, there's a couple other times in my life that I had those similar feelings. Uh, Once when I began seminary and... um, Another time when I was working at a camp in, uh, in Pittsfield. And, uh, yeah, so this time was different, though, because I, I, I decided that I was going to fight. I was going to get to the bottom of this. I started to see this pattern that was happening in my life. This is the third time that I had these experiences. I felt like I finally had some resources and support in my life that would allow me to deal with this issue. And so I began to fight, and it's an ongoing battle. I think the Lord has given me a lot of victory in this area, but um, it definitely was a battle that began. Um, and so I guess the question that I, that I want to bring to us today is, hey, you know, how do we deal with anxiety? What is the root of it? What is the cause of anxiety? Uh, you know, what does the Lord have to say about, you know, when, when we experience these things that, you know, for me, I, I just, I wasn't sure what was causing it or what, you know, how to even deal with these, these, these things that I was sensing or feeling that previously I just had no relate, you know, way of, even comprehending what was happening. So that's my question. What is anxiety? What does the Lord have to say about it? And how do we get free of it? So grab your Bible, if you've got one, and turn to Psalm 23. Psalm 23. I'm going to read this for us. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Amen. What does the Bible have to say about anxiety? What does the Lord want to tell us about this right up front? The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. God is my Sherpa. And he will give me everything that I need to follow him down the trail that he is leading me on. You will never lack anything that you need to accomplish the purposes that God has for your life. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. 
There's three promises I want to look at in this passage. And I'm going to go old school, and we're going to do an alliteration of P's here. So the first promise, okay? Sorry, Baptist church growing up. A lot of alliteration in the sermons. Okay? First thing is that God will provide for your needs. Okay? Look at the first verse. It says, the Lord is my shepherd. It does not say, God is a shepherd. That's important. First of all, right? The word is the Lord. Now, for us, that seems like uh, a little bit more impersonal than the word God. I think for a lot of us, we pray God. You know, we usually say the Lord because there's this, you know, definite article in front of it. But in the Hebrew, it is actually God's personal name. It is Yahweh. That is the name that he revealed to people when he was establishing a relationship with them. He is showing them his name, right? So the Lord, this personal God, this name that represents his relationship with men, his covenantal relationship with people, is the name that is being called here. And notice that it says my, right? God knows your name. He is your shepherd. He's not just a shepherd in general looking over sheep, okay? He is your shepherd. It's like saying the minister is a pastor. No, Neil is my pastor, Right? Neil is my pastor. I know his name. I have a relationship with him. And he is my pastor. So right off the bat, we see the Lord is my shepherd. God knows our needs. Um, He knows, you know, that you have a test coming on Friday. He knows that you have a mortgage bill to pay and a phone bill to pay. He knows that you're concerned about your kids and if they're growing up to follow the Lord. Right? He knows about the toothache that you had. He knows about, you know, your wisdom teeth that need to come out. He knows everything about you. He knows your needs. He is your shepherd. He knows you. And he is going to provide your needs. The next verse says, right, he makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. So these little sheep that that David is using in this psalm to represent the Lord, right, he is providing for them food and water. And not only that, one of the things I learned this week is that apparently it's hard to get sheep to lie down. They're fidgety creatures. They're often afraid. And um, I'm not a shepherd. This is just some of the research that I did. But, uh, you know, it's hard to get them to lie down because when they're lying down, it means they have everything that they need. They have food and they have protection from, you know, predators. They're not afraid that something's going to jump out of the bush and grab them. They're not being bothered by pests or bugs, which the shepherd can, you know, nowadays prevent with pesticides and things. And um, they're not being, you know, bullied or, or, you know, bothered by other sheep. So just in that statement, David, who is a shepherd, is communicating all those things, right? That the sheep have everything that they need, and God knows your needs, and he's going to provide them. And then in the next passage, he says, right, he leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He restores my soul. The Bible says that Satan seeks to steal, kill, and destroy. You don't have to look very far to see the results of what he has done in this world, and even in our own lives. But Jesus wants to restore all of that to us. Everything that Satan has stolen, Jesus wants to give back. Everything that he has put to death, Jesus wants to restore. Right? Everything that has been destroyed, Jesus is going to rebuild and make it better. Right? That is the God that we serve. The Lord is my shepherd. I'm not going to lack any good thing that I need to do his will. And he is on a mission 
to restore my life. You want to see a picture of this? Look at Jesus. Jesus says that he came to give us life and that we would have it to the full. 1 John 3.8 The Son of Man appeared for this purpose, that he would destroy the works of the devil. Amen. Jesus came to destroy the work of the devil in our lives. And look at how he did it, right? Someone comes to him with a withered hand. Jesus touches it. It's healed. Right? A woman's been bleeding for 12 years. She touches his robe and she is restored. He meets a woman at the well. Right? She's got five husbands. She's, she's a social outcast because she's coming to the well at noon. Right? Jesus speaks identity to her. Gives her purpose. Invites her into relationship. I mean, the stories go on. Every time Jesus is interacting with someone, he's speaking life to them. And he's, he's working to restore. He's fighting for them. Look at the next passage here. Um, He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Your Bible might say, he leads me in right paths, or he leads me in paths of faithfulness. The point here is that God's plan for your life is the best plan that is possible for you. And so Jesus, as your shepherd, is guiding you down plan A for your life. Now, that's hard for us to take sometimes, right? We often, you know, sin comes in when we think, God, your plan stinks, this trail is bad, there's green grass over there, and I want it, right? That's what sin is. It's sin is saying that, no, this path that God has me on is not the best path for my life. And this stuff over here is better. But Jesus is saying right now, he leads me down the right path for his name's sake. God's name is at stake in how you do. Because you are his, his sheep, right? He has to be faithful to you because it's his promise. If he's not, it's his glory that's at stake. It's his name that's on the line. And the promise here is that God's path is the best path for you. The Bible says, right, we, we all like sheep have gone astray. We look to our right and we look to our left and we say, man, these sheep are smelly and they keep bumping me and the grass over there looks green and Jesus, this path is no good. I want this one. No, we have to believe that the path that the Lord has us on is plan A for our life. It is your best option. God is leading you down the right path. His plan for you, what is coming your way, is what is right. Now, I was married when I was almost 31 years old. And that was hard for me because out of college, I wanted to be married. Like, even during college. Most of my friends got married, like, you know, spring, ring by spring, they got it done, all right? Or the year after that. And I did not. I was like, I had this group of friends, and they're just like all married, and there was one or two of us that like weren't. And that was hard for me. Uh, I, I think I, I had a lot of loneliness during the next eight to ten years during that time. Um, I only dated, you know, two other girls for very short periods of time, almost like three months, and there was six. Uh, and so I struggled with that. And for a lot of that time... Uh, Satan had a foothold on my life because I gave in to uh, just the belief that this, this, was, this was bad. This path sucks. I don't like it. You know, God, this, why are you leading me down this path? You know, I don't want this. I want to be married. I want to have a relationship. And, you know, so I gave in to just kind of loneliness, hopelessness, despair, those kind of things. Now, the Lord has given me a beautiful wife. 
And I can't guarantee that, you know, for everyone, but I praise the Lord, you know, for that. Um, I can't, you know. Some people, it's just not, you know. It's not God's calling in your life, or he's not what he's going to give you. But that's not the point. Because all that stuff that I experienced during that time, I brought into my marriage, right? It doesn't just leave overnight, oh, I'm married, and now all these things that I've been giving into, and all of a sudden, you know, oh, marriage, my life is fulfilled, everything's great, and now I'm perfect, okay? That's probably not the case, okay, especially here. Um, so the, the point is, is that God is going to provide everything that you need to do his will. And the path that he, you have, he has you on is, is the one for you. Now, if I hadn't listened to that path, I would not have ended up with Jade. And uh, the point that I didn't know was that she actually had to grow up and become an adult before I could marry her. Because I'm six years older than she is. So could have been her math teacher. That's a little scary. So, um, Right, so God is going to provide your needs, right? That is the promise of the whole Old Testament. That is the number one thing that Israel doubts all the way through their journey in the wilderness. Where's the food? Where's the water, right? God brings water out of a rock. Have you ever seen that? I have not, but God can do that. He made bread come down out of heaven. Like, he's trying to give them some pretty extreme examples to show them that he can provide for their daily needs. And let me tell you, God cares about those things in your life. He cares about your needs, okay? He's not just high in the sky and all he cares about is you being a missionary in some Muslim nation, okay? He cares about that. Go to World Mandate. But that's not the point. <laughs> he cares about your needs, about the daily things that you struggle with, right? You know, it is a lie that God does not care about whether you eat Frosted Flakes or Wheaties, okay? You know, I reject that in the name of Jesus. God is my shepherd, he wants to be with every decision and every difficult circumstance that I face. Every little thing he cares about. Just like a shepherd cares about the sheep. Right? <clears throat> now, the second P. Okay? We got, God will provide for you. The second one, his promise, is God will protect you. Okay? Look at the passage. He's got a rod. That word there for a rod. The shepherd, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. The staff is used to guide the sheep. Kind of like what we were talking about. God has this best path for you. But the rod is an offensive weapon, okay? That's used to fend off an, an animal or, you know, to attack a person. That's kind of how it's used in other places in the Old Testament. So the Lord has power to protect you from your enemies, whatever those enemies may be, whether it is the devil or sin, okay, or just, you know, people that would, that would speak lies to you and untruths or attack you. The Lord fights for you. The Lord is a warrior. The Lord is his name. Right? The Bible refers to the Lord as the Lord of hosts. Okay? Sometimes the English translation says the Lord Almighty. But that means the Lord of heaven's armies. We serve a God that fights for us. Right? We don't fight for him. He fights for us. He fights our battles. Right? Look at the book of Judges and Joshua. Right? The Lord is the one that fights for us. He is fighting for you and he is strong. And even in the presence of your enemies, the Lord can set a table before you. Even when chaos in the world is swirling around you, you're being attacked from every side, the Lord can invite you into a banquet of joy and freedom and peace. No matter what is surrounding you, the circumstances do not dictate what is in your soul. That can come from the Lord. He sets a table before you in the presence of your enemies. Right? And your cup overflows. The Lord is the one that gives you that. He can fight against your enemies. He can free you from anything that Satan would put on you. Anything that holds you down, Jesus has the power to set you free. Amen. 
The third P, okay, is God's presence. God will be with you. Right? What does David say? I will fear no evil, for you are with me. For you are with me. God promises us his presence. The worst thing you can face in this life is not having God. That's the worst thing. And God has promised to be with us. I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Everything else can be taken away, but if we lose God, we've lost it all. Uh, Jade and I had a, a tough time this past fall. And uh, we had gotten pregnant actually in the summer, and um, we had a miscarriage in September. And that was a really difficult time for us. Um, I did process a lot of kind of anger with the Lord and worked through a lot of that. And, and, and um, I'll just tell you, the Lord, the Lord is good. You know, if we have God, we, 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 have, we have everything that we need. Right? God is worth it. And the Lord was good to us in that. Yeah, I mean, I'll just, I'll just tell you an example of, that, of the goodness of God. Uh, Jade and I went to this, this uh, Vine conference. Or it, was the, it was the young adult retreat. It was, it was uh, I don't know, a month or two ago. And uh, we went up for prayer, and the guy that was speaking, he prayed over Jade, and he was supposed to be praying over us for words of knowledge, and he starts praying over her. He's like, yeah, I sense this grief. And, you know, I'm, he's praying for her to, 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 you know, for the Lord to just be with her in this grief, that he's with her and that he sees her. And he had no idea what had happened. We come back to the harbor the next morning. Elisa approaches Jade and says, Hey, I saw you last week. I felt like the Lord said that I need to pray for you. And he gave me three words for you. One is roots, which was what it was our, our word for the year and was a really important thing for us during that time. The second is grief. And the third is baby. Does that mean anything to you? Okay. The Lord is good, you know. I mean... He can, set, he can set a table before us in the presence of our enemies. Right? We pray that the Lord would, would restore our baby. It didn't happen. We trust the Lord. You know? He can set a table. He can still give us joy and peace you know, in spite of that. You know? God promises to be with you. Uh, when I was, uh, my, my best man, my best friend, A.J., um, his dad's a dairy farmer in upstate New York. And we went to, went to spend some time on the farm one, one year. And, uh, you know, you get there and you're in, this, you're in this, this barn and there's all these cows, you know, and you just look and it's like, okay, it's a bunch of cows, right? A bunch of cows, you know? Well, AJ's dad, he knew every cow. I mean, he knew every cow. And I just looked, they're all cows, you know? But he's t- telling you about all the stories about this cow here. And, you know, this one time I had a hard time, you know, birthing this calf and what they had to do to, like, save them both. And, oh, yeah, this cow, just don't stand behind her. She kicks, you know. She's a little ornery. You know, oh, and this cow over here, yeah, she's young. This this old and blah, blah, blah. I mean, he knew everything about these cows. You know, he's spending his whole life caring for these cows. And I thought this weekend, I was like, wow, that is, that is shepherd. Right? That is the Lord for us. He doesn't just look out and say, oh, my people, my people. Obey me, you know, obey, obey. No, like God is next to you. He is with you. 
right? The Lord is with you. He is actively fighting for you. He protects you, right? He is going to provide for all of your needs that you, that you, that you have on a day-to-day basis. He's closer than you think he is. And he cares about the little things more than you know. The Lord is my shepherd. The Lord is your shepherd. You shall not want. You won't lack anything you need to accomplish his purposes for your life. The path may not always be the one that you think you want to be on. But the Lord knows where the good grass is. Right? He knows where the still waters are. The ones that are going to refresh your soul. Okay? So, let's relate this to anxiety. What is anxiety then? Okay? Well, what's the Lord spoken here? How do, how, you know, how do we explain anxiety? Why do we experience it? What's going on with anxiety? Well, let me say this. Anxiety is your friend. Fear is your enemy. Okay? Anxiety is your friend. Fear is your enemy. Anxiety is an emotional response to something. Okay? It's in this emotional reaction that you have in your body. I feel it in my chest often. Okay? Maybe you, you know, can't sleep at night or maybe you even have panic attacks. There's a number of different ways that it can manifest, but it's an emotional response, okay, to something. Um, yeah, headaches, you know, maybe you can't, you can't sleep, but okay, I said that. And anxiety is your friend because it tells you that there is a problem, okay? Anxiety is a red flag. Problem in soul, please address, okay? Your body does not like it when there's something wrong, and the problem is fear, Okay? And fear is bad for you. And your body knows that, and it is communicating to you that there is fear, which is your enemy. And so that emotional response that you get is a good thing because it's telling you that there's some lie or some wrong belief or some kind of fear in there that needs to get out. Okay? Your body doesn't want it in there. It's got to get out. That's anxiety. Uh, this guy, Neil Anderson, that wrote this book, Victory Over the Darkness, says that, that anxiety is uh, the emotional response to an uncertain goal. Okay, so you have this goal, this thing that you want, all right? And if you're not sure if you're going to get it, that's where anxiety is coming in, okay? And so the key there is that um, we are, our goal is the wrong goal, okay? We are desiring something or wanting something and saying, this is a need in my life, and if it is not met, I am not okay. Life will fall apart. Things will be bad, very bad, Okay? So example, right? You're in college, okay? Some of you maybe are. Uh, you have a big final exam for this important class, and it's been a difficult class for you. Maybe it was a math class. Um, and you're studying really hard, and if you fail it, you know you're either going to have to take it again, or you won't graduate on time, or you'll have to pay to take it again, or, you know, you will look stupid in front of everybody because you failed the class, or your parents will be disappointed with you. You know, all of these things that come up in just this one little thing that you have this exam, right? Well, what's going on there? Well, you are seeing this as I have to have this. This is a need in my life. And if I don't, ugh, bad, all these bad things. And so anxiety is telling you that there is a problem there, okay? It's a red flag. It's saying, no, there is something that is wrong, okay? Um, maybe the example is, you know, your family and you're concerned about your kids and them following the Lord and growing up to do what is right. Or it seems like, you know, they've made some bad friends and they're, they're making some poor choices and you're really worried about what is going to happen to them. Okay. Red flag, right? You cannot control that. Okay. That's beyond your control. Now, obviously you can do everything that you can 
to raise someone, but you can't control them. Okay? They are their own people. And so anxiety is, is surfacing to show you that there is something wrong underneath. Okay? <clears throat> All right. So the last thing I'll say about this to, to explain anxiety is that anxiety tells you that you're giving fear a foothold in your life. Okay? That is kind of the root thing, that there is some fear or lie that you are clinging to, and anxiety is, is saying, it's in there, get it out. That's anxiety. So fear is your enemy. Okay? Fear is an expectation of harm. Right? It is an expectation that something bad is going to happen, that you will somehow be harmed in some way. Right? Someone jumps out of a bush and goes, ah! Right? You're afraid in that moment that someone's going to harm you or something bad is going to happen to you. Right? And that's an instantaneous thing, but it can also be prolonged. You know, you have this expectation that bad things are coming. Okay? That's kind of the essence of fear. And that's bad. The Lord tells us not to fear. Right? Fear says, hey, uh, God won't provide for my needs. God's not going to take care of me. God doesn't see me. God doesn't care about me. God doesn't even know me. God's mean. He's a bad master. He's a cruel master. He's just waiting for me to mess up and strike me down. So fear is this expectation of harm. Right? And that's why, I mean, over and over again, the Lord says in the Scriptures, do not fear. Right? Do not fear. Um, and so fear, then, is the opposite of trust. Okay? If we are afraid, it's basically that we are, we are, we are not trusting the Lord. With that, he, that He is a shepherd. Okay? That He has his, the best plan for our lives. That we are on that path. And that he has the power to protect us and to give us everything that we need. And so we are identifying something else as a need that we don't have. Okay? Now let me just tell you. If you don't have it, you don't need it. According to the Bible. If you don't have it or you're not going to get it, it's not something that you need. Because the Lord says that he is going to provide everything that you need to accomplish his will. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want the Lord is your shepherd. You will lack nothing that you need. Fear tells you you need that and you're not going to get it. The Bible says the exact opposite. Right? The Lord is your shepherd. You shall not want. He is going to give you everything you need to do his will. Okay. So that's kind of just quick basics about that. Lastly, how do we then deal with anxiety? I'm having these feelings. I don't know what to do with them. I have this weight on my chest. It feels like a rock. I don't like this. It's miserable. Okay? You know, I had that for like a month. It's just the worst. Okay? How do we deal with this? How do we get rid of anxiety? I mean, how do we get free? Well, we beat anxiety by weeding it out of the garden of our souls. Okay, I want you to picture a garden. Okay, let's make it a vegetable garden. Because then you can eat the stuff, you know, it's good. Just per- yeah, okay, all right, sorry. Right, picture a garden, right? If you've ever ha- tilled, like, cared for a garden, you know that weeding is a big part of gardening. Okay, I worked for a landscaper. I hated weeding. It was like all we did. It's like weed, 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 weed. Okay? But the first step in beating anxiety is to, is to pick those little weeds that keep springing up as soon as they're there. They're real easy to pick up when they're like this big. You just go, and they're gone. 
right? And that's how we beat anxiety first. We say, you know what? I am, I'm going to choose to not be afraid. You have to make that resolve. And you have to recognize that when you're, you're feeling anxious, you need to admit to yourself that there's fear there. That's hard for a lot of us, I think, because fear, we know we're not supposed to be afraid. The Lord says, don't be afraid. So I'm not afraid. I'm just anxious. Okay? Well, yeah, but that's because you're afraid. Okay? <laughs> don't play the game. I've played the game. Okay? It's because there's fear. So on a daily basis, you need to say, as soon as those thoughts come up or you start to feel a little bit, don't give into it. Kick it. Pull the weed out immediately. You have to fight that battle on a daily basis if you're going to beat anxiety. You've got to pull that weed out as soon as it pops up. Those fear thoughts. And you can identify them, right? They're not from the Lord. Oh, what's going to happen if this and this? and No, no, no. Okay? Pick that weed out immediately. Okay? Now, I'll just tell you, um, you know, I actually, I, actually I, I, I told myself, Jay told me before I started preparing this sermon, you cannot be anxious about this sermon. Because usually I am, and because that's been my, that's been a stronghold in my life, right? It's been anxiety. And so I've preached, you know, five, ten times or whatever, and I'm usually pretty nervous leading up to it. Like, oh, like, what if I don't get enough to say? And what if I can't get the outline right? And what am I going to say for my introduction? You know, all these, like, worries that, like, come up. And it's like, I, I just, every day when I sat down to prepare, I was like, no, I am choosing not to be anxious about that. Anytime I got those attacks, right, of those little statements, it's like, nope, pluck that weed, see you later. Okay? I am not going to be anxious. Now, that's kind of the, the surface level okay? and the, the daily battle. But the reason that I think I was able to do that this time is because of the work that I did below that the past you know, nine months. Okay? So there's your garden. You're looking at your garden again. Look at your garden again in your mind. Right? Sometimes you get a weed and you, you, you pull it out, and then you turn around, and the next day it's there again. Right? That's because there's, there's a root down there, a tap root. Right? Now, when there's a taproot, you've got to do a little more work to get that weed out of there, okay? You've got to dig down around it, make it a special, like, weeding tool or, you know, those different gardening things that they've got, and get that thing out. And the point there is that sometimes there is a little more of a, of a stronghold in our, in our hearts, okay? Um, and that, that comes through either just a prolonged period of kind of giving in to those little anxieties, or it can be from, you know, some... Uh, you know, place in your heart that you have decided to believe a lie. Now, you've got to be careful because you're going to want to react to that and say, no, I'm not going to believe any lie. I know in my mind that these things, that God is going to provide, and that da, 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 da. And you can recite all the theology, but in your heart, it's not really there. Because maybe at some point in your life, someone did something to you, and that made you think that God wasn't providing for you in that moment. And that's where the deeper work that work happens, okay? Now, I'll just tell you from my own, you know, my own journey, um, you know, I think both of my parents have struggled with anxiety, so I inherited that to some degree from them and had a learned pattern of behavior that just kind of went from growing up in my family, okay? Um, and, I, you know, I've processed some of this with them, so it's not, you know, some big surprise. But, um, you know, that's kind of a thing that, that um, you know, was in my family that I inherited. So, you know, if something happened to me, I learned to respond, you know, with fear or anxiety or worry instead of having trust in the Lord, right? So I've got to deal with that. You know, I've got some forgiveness to deal with. So maybe forgiving my parents for, you know, allowing that to happen. Or maybe there's some other place where that started to to surface where someone wounded me and I said, oh, you know, God's not a provider. And I took that into my heart. 
And I can say a million times, God is my provider in my head. But, you know, you know, you know as well as I know, right? We've got to know that truth for it to really have an effect on us. So there's some work of forgiveness and um, kind of asking the Lord to reveal the lies. Now, here's a, here's a kind of a, a smaller picture of that. Now, Jade hasn't really struggled with anxiety. And it was actually a journey for her as well to kind of understand what I was going through the past nine months because it's 11 months. I'm a math teacher. That's what I'm talking about. <laughs> it's January. All right, sorry. I had to correct the math. It's just I can't let it go. Um, but it was hard for her to understand kind of where I was coming from because she had never really dealt with it. But this December, she was just sharing with me that uh, she actually went through some anxiety because she decided to make a lot of the presents for our, our friends and relatives. So she sewed 30 pairs of mittens. Okay, now I sewed one pair of mittens, and it took me five hours, okay? John, right there, yep. Uh, if you want to, demo, you know, John can maybe show you the mittens. So, um, so you can see, okay, do the math, you know, five, 150 hours, okay? That's a lot of time. Um, and so she was like, why am I anxious about this? I haven't really experienced this before. So she started to try to dig deeper. Okay, well, what would be bad if I didn't complete all these projects? And it wasn't just men. She did a bunch of other stuff too. Um, well, what would be bad about that? Well, people wouldn't get the perfect gift. Well, why would it be bad if someone didn't get the perfect gift? Or what would be bad about that if I didn't get the perfect gift for someone? Well, then, you know, uh, they wouldn't think I was very good at giving gifts. Or they wouldn't feel loved. Well, why would that, what would be bad about that for me? Well, because I'm kind of finding my identity in being a good gift giver, okay? Or something like that. I don't think I'm getting it all right, so honey, sorry. But hopefully you get the point, okay? She started to figure out, she said, okay, I'm feeling this. And she knew this is warning me that there's some wrong belief, lie, fear in my heart that needs to be dealt with, okay? So you start to dig deeper and try to get down to that. And the root was some kind of, you know, performance that she has to perform so that other people, you know, will, you know, feel loved or accepted by her. All right? So that is, that is the work of getting to the tap root of that kind of a weed. Because sometimes when we let them sit there for a long time, instead of pulling those little weeds out, they're going to grow a deeper root. And we've got to do the work to do that. Now, I'm going to give you, um, I'm just going to give you three quick tools that you can, you can look up on your own or talk to somebody else about. Because I don't have time to explain them today. But here they are. One is um, healing prayer, okay? And just real quick, healing prayer is, you know, you can do this by yourself or with somebody else. It's a lot of times helpful to do it with somebody else, but it's basically asking God, you know, God, I'm feeling anxious. Show me why I'm feeling anxious. Show me what I am being anxious about. Maybe you already know. So then you go and you say, God, uh, you know, what is causing me to feel this way? And you keep digging as Jay was doing. And she was doing that with the Lord, processing it with him. I didn't make that clear. But that's the process. And then it is uncovering what is at the root of that. It's either some lie or wound, okay, or some fear that you've given into and allowing the Lord to heal it. Okay, bring him into that, forgiving anyone that's involved with that and letting him heal it. That's healing prayer, okay? The second thing is centering prayer. And this was a, I did a lot of healing prayer on my own. And I also had a couple, you know, times with other people that helped me do that. Through my process. The second thing is um, uh, centering prayer. Okay? And you can kind of look up what this is, but it's basically just you don't do anything. You sit there and you, um, you just focus kind of your attention on the Lord. And if thoughts come in, you just kind of let them pass and you say, 
your centering word, which is like Father or Jesus, and you let it return to you, okay? Some of you, it might freak you out a little bit because it seems like it's kind of like Eastern mysticism or meditation, okay? It's not. It's called centering prayer. You can Google it if you want to know more about it, talk to me about it. I did that for a long time, and that's a process uh, whereby the Lord can do a healing work in you without you having to really do anything. Although, it's really difficult to do, even though it's really easy. There's kind of this paradox with it, because it's, it's really hard to actually sit there and do nothing, you know, for like 20 minutes a day, which is about what, what is expected. If you want to know more about that, Google it or talk to somebody. And the third thing I'll just say is breathing prayer is really important as well. And that's where you're just breathing in during the day. Jesus, set me free. Jesus, set me free. And you'd be saying that in your mind, because obviously if you're walking around doing that all the time, you know, people hear you. And it's hard to do when you're breathing. So you just, you're saying that in your mind and you're breathing in and out. Jesus, set me free from anxiety or free from fear. Okay, so something like that, that can be really powerful as well because then you're, you're, you're doing this continually practice where the Lord can be, you know, healing those places in your heart. Okay, um, so the last thing I'll just say is, you know, you've got weeding out the little things and then you've got, you know, rooting out tap roots by, you know, uncovering lies and replacing them with the truth. And then lastly, it's just, it's just resolving to trust the Lord, okay? It's resolving to trust God, right? The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. I am going to resolve to trust the Lord and not to give in to fear, right? We need to trust the Lord. The Lord is your shepherd, okay? You shall not want. So just to end the story with my struggle with anxiety, I feel like I've come a long way with it. Now, it's definitely not over, and I definitely feel that at times the Lord kind of will attack me. I mean, the Lord. The enemy will attack me in different areas, you know, when I'm feeling weak or I'm tired or something. But because I dealt with some of the tap roots, and I've been trying to resolve to trust the Lord, and on a daily basis I've been trying to pluck out those weeds that just come up, I'm, I'm doing much better, okay? And I still a couple times since, you know, February have felt a little bit of weight on my chest, But when I see that, I know there's something deeper that I need to deal with. There's some fear down there. What is it that I'm afraid of? What is it that I'm afraid of because of that? And so on and so on, like follow down that rabbit trail. So the Lord is giving me victory in that area, you know. And, hey, the Lord is my shepherd. He is going to give me everything that I need to do his will. His path that he is gently shepherding me along, okay, with his staff is the best path for my life. Amen? We have to believe that. If we don't believe that, then sin is right there, crouching at the door, waiting to take hold of us. The Lord is your shepherd. You shall not want. Let's pray.